How many of your hearts were pumping whenever all that sequence is going? I was like, what's going to happen? Oh my gosh, what's going to happen? Is she going to get, is the guy going to grab her? What's going to happen there? I mean, fear is fear. All right, so if the fear that you face is like that, I mean, that's just a very tangible thing that you can look at and go, oh my gosh, I can just associate with it. And even as I was writing all the posts on Facebook and on Twitter and everything saying, hey, everybody, come out and be here today, I'm thinking about just the word anxiety is this picture right here. Like where you put your hand on your head and your fingers are like claws into your brain, like, ah, just even the word anxiety kind of gets you worked up a little bit, doesn't it? Or a panic attack. You're like, ah, I don't even think about it. Well, that's what we're talking about today. Fear is fear, though. So it doesn't matter what your fear is, if it's that someone's going to grab you or snag you, or if it's different things that cause you to have panic attacks or cause anxiety to come and make you just spin out of control. I mean, she was clearly not in control of everything. She, wasn't, she was scared of everything, and she's like fumbling everything. And if the guy was there for bad reasons, she was just easy pickings. How many of you know we can sometimes be easy pickings as well? Boy, you won't hear that in a lot of churches, but in Texas, you'll hear easy pickings. There you go. I just want to tell you some sources of anxiety as defined by the Mayo Clinic. This is what they say. It is very common in the United States. More than 3 million people are new cases every year. The ages that are affected is 6 years old to 13-year-olds. It's common. 14 to 18, it's very common. 19 to 40, extremely common. 41 to 60, very common. And 60 plus is all common. So there's no range in there that says, oh man, you're exempt. Don't worry about it, because when you get older, you're going to outgrow anxiety. You're going to outgrow these panic attacks. It's all going to just work out. No, we see that all the studies, even from the Mayo Clinic, you know, one of the most renowned medical clinics, they show us that it's not something we outgrow. So I think it's a very appropriate topic for us to look at today. So we're going to look at the scripture and see some people who've also had some difficulties, and we're going to look at see what God has for us. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 30, and we're going to pick up in verse 1. We're going to read through this story really quick. Now, King David is one of the big kings in the Bible, and you'll see a lot of uh, Jewish history that surrounds him. He's the one who came up with the temple. God just really poured out everything with him. So he's a key player in the Bible. And here, they were just off fighting a battle. And they're coming home, and they're so tired. They won their battle, and they're just all excited. And they just want to come home and rest. Have you ever had a long day at work, and you just want to come home and rest? And like, where is my bed? I just want to take a hot bath. Calgon, take me away. If you're old like me, you get that. And you're just like, I just want to chill. That's where they're at. Verse 1 says, three days later, when David and his men arrived home. So it took them three days when they finished to get home. They arrived home at their town in Ziklag. They found that the Amalekites had made a raid into their city, and they crushed their city and burned it to the ground. They also had carried off their women and the children and everyone else, but without killing anyone. Well, there's a silver lining. They didn't kill anybody, but here were there out fighting this battle. It took them three days' journey to get back, and they just want to chill. They come back to find their women, their wives, their children. Everybody's gone, and their entire city is destroyed. Verse 3, when David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families... They wept 
and they, till they could not weep anymore. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that you're weary and you're just coming back and it's just like, I'm going to get through this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it through. I just can't wait for my bed. And as you top the hill, you start seeing the, the smoke just sticking up. It's like, what's going on? If you see a car accident and you know your, your loved one is out on the road, you don't, what, what do you immediately think? Your, your heart starts pounding. It's like, oh my gosh, where's my kids? Let me, let me call them. Let me hear their voice. If you can't get them, it's like, oh my gosh, there's even more. So as they top that hill and they come down, they see the smoke rising up to find that they're all gone. Now they don't know that they're all dead. They just know that the whole place is destroyed and their families are gone. Verse 6 says, now David was in great danger because all of his men were ready, were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters, I'm sure, and their wives. And they began talking of stoning him. So here they are really, really tired, frustrated, come home, and the, the emotional toll that's going on them because they lost everybody and they don't know what's going on. Where's my kid? Where's my baby? Where's my son? Where's my daughter? Where's my wife? Where is all this stuff? It's like... It's your fault. If we hadn't been out fighting with you, so now they're turning all of their frustration at David, and it wasn't a safe place for him. Then he said to the priest, bring me the ephod. Bring me the presence of God. I'm not going to dig down too deep into that, but he said, man, I'm not going to even let this stuff where everyone's upset with me and where it's not safe at all for me, that I'm in great danger, it says. He says, I'm going to go to God. And see what God has to say with this. See, because our natural inclination would be, hey, let me talk you guys up. Let's get everybody riled up. Hey, rah, rah, rah. Let's go find them. But David took the moment in the midst of all of this stress, this anxiety, where they're trying to kill, legit trying to kill him. Not fake trying to kill him like she thought she was about to get taken. Okay? But it's real. They're really ready to take care of him. He says, man, I'm going to run to God. Then David asked the Lord in verse 8, Should I chase after this band of raiders, and will I catch them? Now, isn't it amazing to me that David at this point has matured so much that he's not just immediately turning and saying, this is what we're going to do. You know how much self-control it takes to go to God and say, should I chase after them, God? Should I go? And the Lord told him, Yes, go after them, and you will surely recover everything that was taken from you. And they did. They chased after them. They got back, and they got all the stuff from the other people. So they were just really, you know, they got everything restored, and then some. But look at that stress. Look at that anxiety. Man, there's nothing more personal than when it's your family, when it's your kids. Oh, my gosh. I mean, Lenore and I could go through a whole lot, and you know, we could, we'll, we'll make it through it, but you touch my kids? Oh my gosh. I mean, it just ratcheted up several different levels. Aren't you like me? Isn't that where it really gets you? Or it's your closest friend or your brother or your sister. It becomes really, really personal. 1 Peter 5, verse 7 says, Cast all of your anxiety on him, Jesus, because he cares for you. See, David didn't just say, I'm going to just do whatever I want to. Man, I'm just going to turn in anger, and I'm going to go face them down, and I'm just going to beat them up because I'm, I'm just going to have a knee-jerk reaction. He said, I'm going to run to God. This says, cast all of your anxiety. 
take it and literally give it over to God. Why? Because he cares for you. But let's look at this entire verse in its context. And we want to gain the context of it. So time out with everything. Now I want you to remember, Peter was one of the disciples that Jesus chose And he's one of the 12 guys that hung out with him 24-7. He was actually in the inner circle. So the three of the 12, Peter was one of them. So he gets to hang really tight with Jesus and gets to stay right in there. So he's got the closest relationship with him. Almost like best friends. And when Jesus was going to be crucified, when he was being rejected by men... He told Peter, he says, listen, the devil wants to come and sift you like wheat. Have you guys ever seen a sifter that you put flour in it and you wiggle it and it just causes only the fine stuff to come out and it just gets everything else? That's what Jesus said. The devil's wanting to come after you, Peter. He's like, oh, no, 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 not me. No, 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 I, 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 Jesus, we're besties. You know, we're BFS, man. We're, we got this where he goes, no, even before the rooster crows in the morning. You're going to deny me three times. Oh, no, 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 not me. Not me, not at all. And of course, we know the story. He did. And then when he heard the rooster crying out, he realized that he had rejected his best friend. So if anybody knows about some rejection and some anxiety, can you imagine? Then Jesus, it said, turned and looked at him. It's like, I told you so. He didn't say that, but can you imagine Jesus, the Lord, the Savior of the world, looking at you like, I told you so. You were going to reject me. You did deny me. He went through all this anxiety. He tried to walk on the water with Jesus, and the water started lapping up around his feet. This is the same guy who's writing this, but now from a place of maturity, that he's kind of got his act all together, and God has done a great work in him. In 1 Peter 2, 5, 5 verse 2, we're going to pick up a little bit earlier. We saw casting all your anxiety, but let's get the context. He says, I want you to shepherd the flock of God among you. That's my job, to shepherd you guys, to teach you what God's word says. Exercising oversight. So, hey, here's the word of God, and I want to tell you what God is trying to help you with. Today, I'm telling you a message on anxiety. That's my job as a pastor, to shepherd you. He's like, do this for everybody. Remember, I told you that church is me grabbing hands with you and say, hey, follow me as I'm following Christ. And then as you get some confidence as you get a few things that you learn one or two scriptures you're reading through first peter with us this month and you learn a couple of things and you're going to now when you read through first peter you're going to see the same scripture verses that we're using today it's just kind of working out that way winky winky and then you're going to say hey well you my friend over here come follow me and then they follow you and then they you tell them i don't know everything but you're going to just follow me as i'm following pastor kevin as he's following jesus and we just keep following along so then you're pouring into them you're shepherding them so this isn't just for me as a pastor this is for all of us according to the will of god but not for sordid gain not for something personally but with eagerness verse 5 you younger men likewise subject yourself to your elders And all of you clothe yourself with humility towards one another. Now, what does that mean? Clothe yourself with humility with one another. So think about your workplace. All the different people you work with, 
You could say, you know, I know more than they do. I've been here five minutes longer than you, so I know everything. Or you can say, hey, you might have just got hired yesterday, but I'm going to be humble, and I'm going to allow my humility to be what I'm clothed with. For God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Now, I highlighted these words, gives grace to the humble. We'll see that come back in a moment. Therefore, verse 6, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you or literally lift you up. Okay, follow along with this because it's going gonna, it's gonna to turn in just a minute. It's going to make more sense. Humble yourself under the hand of God that he may lift you up at the proper time. Now, context again for here. The Israelis have learned all of their life about what happened at Moses in the Red Sea. And God, the word says that God delivered them with his mighty hand. So when he says, get under that mighty hand that delivered your ancestors, your grand, great-great-great-grandfathers and grandmothers, he, that hand, be under that hand. So run to God and let that hand cover you. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you, lift you up at the proper time. Then, is the next verse that we looked at, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert for the adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Can I tell you, that's where all of the anxiety, panic attacks, stress, that's where it's all at. That's what it is all in a nutshell, in those four words, seeking someone to devour. The, the video we start, started out with, the girl's just walking, and all of a sudden she sees someone, she thinks it's coming. That fear is just as real to her, even though he got on a motorcycle and drove away. Coincidence, they're walking the same path. But that fear was just as real if he was there to grab her. That, <gasps> that she's feeling is just, he was seeking to devour her if he was seeking to take her. And this is where we find anxiety. So I don't care if anxiety is just something that comes upon you as just just you, or if it is driven by some situation, if it's brought on by circumstances, atmosphere, whatever. It's because the devil is prowling around like a roaring lion. So he's looking around where he can devour you. Now, can you imagine being fallen at the zoo, and you fall into the lion's den, and it's out there. I mean, can you imagine what's going to come when he's like, oh, lunch? He's going to go, ah, okay? I'm not going to make everybody do the sound with me, although I'm tempted. But it goes on, verse 9 says, but resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are around the world. So let me break that down. You're supposed to resist him, the lion that's trying to devour you, those thoughts that try and come and take over you, but be firm in your faith. So you can resist him, but guess how far you're going to get if that's all you got? Try resisting a lion. If you're not firm in your faith, 
you're not going to get very far resisting him. But then it goes on to say, know that everybody else is experiencing the same thing in the entire world. See, what you feel most of the time when you got anxiety that's like coming into your head is, I'm alone. There's nobody else that feels like this. <sighs> oh my gosh, I'm in the parking lot all by myself and this guy's about to get me. But when you realize that everybody else is facing the same things that you are, it makes you step back and go, oh, wait. Hmm. But now I can resist him, but I got to plug in my faith. I got to plug in my relationship with God. Now, the next verse we don't want to hear. And after you have suffered for a little while. Now, he's like, Why? Why do I have to suffer for a little while? Why has that got to happen? Why can't I just say, okay, God, I want you to get rid of this devil. And he's like, poof. Because God's not a genie in a bottle. But after you suffer for a little while, the God of all grace. Remember where it says he will give grace to those. Remember I told you, hold on to that because we're going to come back to that. Look, the same word. The God of all grace, he gives you the grace to go through that little while. Called you his eternal glory. He will himself perfect you, cause everything to come to completion inside of you. He will confirm you. He will strengthen you, and he will establish you. And and I had it broken down this way because I want you to understand and see that this, if you are taking notes, this is the crux of where I want you to see everything this morning. It is Christ himself who's going to complete this whole thing inside of you. He's going to give you the grace to do it, but he's going to be the one who perfects that thing, completes that work inside of you. So you don't have to be the statistics from the Mayo Clinic that this thing's going to be with you all your life. Without our faith, without God, that is your destiny. But when you plug in your faith, plug into God, You may suffer for a little while, but he gives you the grace. And then he is the one himself. Isn't it great? He didn't say, okay, he'll send an angel. He'll send somebody and maybe they'll follow through. says he himself. Can you imagine when God himself gets involved in your life to complete it? But then he's going to confirm you. Because he's going to say, hey, I'm working all of this stuff out inside of you. And I'm putting my seal of approval on top of you. I'm confirming that you're going to make it. And then I'm going to strengthen you. Because how many of you know when you've been going through this struggle, you need to be strengthened. You need to have somebody lifting up your shoulders like, okay, you're going to make it. This is See, there's a process going on here. And it ends with he establishes you. What does establish mean? Let's just establish something here. That takes work. It's a process. So if you think that you can get rid of anxiety, if you can get rid of panic attacks just by saying one little prayer, wish that that were the answer, right? We see it's a process. But God has this process of giving you the grace to walk through it. And he has the steps that he's going to show you are going to happen. I have a story. When I was at Christ for the Nations of traveling, we had um, a prayer time in the prayer room. And 
we were all, all the people in the group were circled around praying for Mary is, was in the group with us. And she was kneeling down over on the side and we just all felt compelled and we we're all over praying for her. She later told us what was going on in her mind. In her mind, she saw like a little vision that the devil was coming against her, that the devil, the enemy was coming and he's trying to get her. And she just cowered down like this. And then she felt everybody, she had no idea we were around her. She felt the presence of God just surround her and say, Mary, and he helped pick her up. And then she, you know, then he got the devil to go away. Then she knelt back down, saw it again. And the same situation, and she stood up, and she was more strengthened this time. And it happened a third time, and this time she had been established And she stood up and she was able to deal with it on her own. See, it was a process, even what she saw. And when she woke up out of this and this vision that's happening to her, and she saw all of us around her, it's like, ooh. And then she tells us, and we have chills on our our arms and legs and everywhere. It's like, oh my gosh. What a crazy story. What a crazy experience. And this many years later, I'm telling you about it. It impacted me that much. Let me tell you another one. Lenore, when we first moved here um, five years ago, five and a half years ago, we were staying at my aunt's house in the panhandle of Texas. And Lenore has struggled sometimes with panic attacks and anxiety as well. And we've worked through that and we're working through the process, as many of you maybe as well. And she woke me up in the middle of the night going, honey, honey, I got to get out of here. Ah, I can't breathe. I can't. Ah, ah. That, that anxiety, okay, that panic attack. She goes, I tried to get out, and the windows are closed. I, I just want to stick my head out outside, and I can't, I can't, I can't. And I said, honey, this is an attack. I said, we're going to pray, but now I want you to say something. I want you to declare this. I am the daughter of the Most High God. See, I want her to plug in her faith. So she's like, I can't. I'm like, you got to say it. Come on. Because I can't do all the heavy lifting for you. You've got to do this for yourself. It's a process you have to walk through. She said, I'm the daughter of Most High God. And she's still like, going through that panic. He's like, you're not thinking clearly. She's going through this whole thing. and just. <gasps> so she finally goes back to sleep. I get to go back to sleep. Thank you, Jesus. And a few minutes later, she's shaking me, waking up. <laughs> It's the same thing again. I'm like, honey, say it. You just got to say it. You got to declare. Keep going, saying, I'm the daughter of the Most High God. I'm the daughter of the Most High God. She finally got it. The next night, the same thing happened again. Told her, honey, you got to do it. She woke me up first time. I told her, you got to do it. Then I got to sleep. And she just continued walking through that process. The third night, it came upon her. She's like, no, I'm the daughter of the Most High God. Can you see the difference? And where you're framing it, it's like, oh, I say what he said to say. The third night, it was like, I am the daughter of the Most High God. you got to get out of here. See, her faith had taken hold. In Matthew chapter 6, we see Jesus talking about anxiety as well. He said, this is what I'm telling you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store any food in barns for your heavenly Father feeds them. And are you not more valuable than they are? 
I think Jesus had a little sarcasm going on there. I love that part of him. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work and, or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. There we see it again. God cares for you. The other scripture, cast your anxiety on him. Because why? Because he cares for you. There's a theme going on here. Verse 32 These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. See, where this whole thing starts off is in the unrenewed mind. This all happens to people who don't believe. They don't have faith, which is where we're at until we get it. I don't care how long you've been saved. There's areas in your life that you still have to work and apply and jump in there and say, God, I need to apply this to my life. None of us have arrived. So some of us are still walking in what everybody else has. But these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. So Jesus is saying, this is Jesus. He should be in red. This is Jesus talking. Saying, my father knows what you need. He knows those things that are causing your brain to go, ah! He's got it under control. Next verse. Seek the kingdom of God. David is in this terrible situation. They're trying to kill him for real. Legit trying to kill him with big stones. Okay, it's going to hurt. What does he do? Give me to God. Jesus like, seek first the kingdom of God. That's where it's all at. The last verse says, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Just worry about now. And what are you going to do in the now? I'm the daughter of the Most High God. I'm going to plug my faith in And I'm going to see the hand of God. Because in the right time, when I walk through this process, God is going to lift me up. Another translation of verse 27 says, And who of you, being worried, can add a single hour to your life? Think about it. Even if you're worried about all this stuff, and you dominate all your time and your thoughts, what can you do? You can't even add an hour to your life. there are supernatural touches of God that God can just cause things to be delivered but more often than not it is the process the process of taking the next step taking the next step but we've got to constantly be plugging in our faith. Very quickly. Source from the National Institute of Mental Health. So this isn't the Bible. This isn't Christian thinking. This is what our government studying mental health says. Anxiety disorders are generally treated with psychotherapy, 
medication, or both. They define psychotherapy as talk therapy that can help people with anxiety. To be effective, the psychotherapy must be directed at the person's specific anxieties and tailored to his or her needs. Or cognitive behavior therapy, which can help people with anxiety. And it teaches people, a person, different ways of thinking, behaving, and reacting. Third way is self-help or support groups. By joining in a support group, you can share your problems and your achievements. This is the world speaking here. And you know what they just described? The church. See, I'm giving you talk therapy this morning. This whole thing of bringing you and showing you what the Word of God says, I'm giving you words of how to have a different way to think, a different way to behave, a different way to respond. It also talks about being in a group. What are we launching in just a few weeks? Small groups where you can plug in and be there with somebody else that may be going through what you're going. My wife will tell you this. All things are common to women. This is what she says all the time. She goes, I'm either going through what you're going through, I've gone through what you've gone through, or I'm about to go through it. We're all going to go through the same things. Why not get together? Guys, we're the same. We're all, do you see the scriptures we talked about? We're all going to experience this. We're all going to walk through the process. See, you will never be judged by if you went to church and how often you went to church. But your life can be so much better when we do it together. In closing, I want to challenge you with this thought. The purpose of peace is not the absence or conflict of problems. The purpose of peace is to be in the presence of God and trusting in Him. One last scripture I want you to look at. It's Philippians 4, verse 5. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. Remember the scripture we let earlier? It said, humble yourself and God will lift you up in the right time. Your gentle spirit be known for the Lord is near. The next verse says, and be anxious for nothing. Again, I want to show you the process. Number one, step number one, be anxious for nothing. Work the process. Let it all say, God, I'm not going to be anxious in this. Next step. But in everything, by prayer and supplication. Hey, got a connection card. Let me fill in my prayer request. I'm, I'm going through this problem right now. It's private, so I'm a confidential. No one's going to see it. It's not going to be up here for when we do prayer on Saturday morning. But if it's something everybody can know, and you want everybody agreeing with you, put for the prayer team. And this will be out here. And when we prayed yesterday morning for an hour, we prayed over all these prayer requests. So it's prayer and supplication. And then giving thanks to God. Let your requests be known to God. And the next verse, verse 7 says, And the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds and your minds and your minds and your minds. Where's anxiety go? Where's the problem? Where's the anxiety? In your mind. 
See, God wants to bring peace that doesn't even make sense into your life. The purpose of peace is to help you through problems. You don't get peace to have fewer problems. You have the peace of God to help you through them. Close your eyes with me and bow your heads, please. Let me ask you a question. What is the proportional size of your problems to God? Do you have big problems in a little God? Or do you have a big God with little problems? See, worship can create a place where your problems don't get any smaller, but your God gets a whole lot bigger, bigger than your problems. Now, I can't just talk about the process. I can't just show you the scriptures about what God says and like say, okay, now go home. Hope you have a good lunch. See you later. I'm going to lead us in a prayer to deal with these problems. And no matter where you're at in the process, even if today's the first day of that steps for you, we're going to ask God to accomplish those things in your life. We're going to quote that scripture over us. But you have to acknowledge that you need God to help you. So no one looking around. There's two things I want to tell you. We're going to pray over anxiety. We're going to pray over panic attacks. But as we saw, we have to resist him, the devil. We've got to resist the panic attacks. But then we've got to be firm in our faith. So if you don't have faith in God, if you've never made a decision for Christ, you're not going to get very far in resisting. We've already talked about that. So the first thing I want to ask you today is if that's you, maybe you feel that same palpitation in your heart. You're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, today's my day. The first prayer is going to be to invite Christ into your heart and to say, God, I want to surrender my life to you. I'm not going to keep trying to do it my way, but I'm going to plug into your way and let you be the one who lifts me up. And the second thing we're going to pray about is over anxiety, knowing that God himself will work this process in you. So if that's you, that you want to ask God into your heart for the very first time, or maybe you say, I'm very far from God, I once knew him, but now I'm not there. And I want to come back. If that's you, will you just raise your hand so we can include you in that prayer? All right. Thank you. Now, if that's you for the second, that you struggle with anxiety, you struggle with panic attacks, and you see that there's a process, and you want to plug God into that, and you want to be included in this prayer, I also want you to raise your hands. Father God, we just thank you for everything you're doing here. Lord, I thank you for those who've made decisions to follow you for the first time or to come back to you. I want you to say this prayer with me. You don't have to say it out loud. Just say it and mean it from your heart. God in heaven, thank you for sending your son to die in my place to pay for my sins so I don't have to. I ask you to forgive me for living life without you. 
Jesus, please forgive me. I surrender everything to you. Be the Lord of my life. Be number one. And the best way I know how, I'm going to live for you with all my heart. Today, I give you my life. Now, Father, I pray the scripture that we see here in 1 Peter. You tell us to resist anxiety. Lord, you say that as a pastor, I'm supposed to cover and oversee those that you've entrusted me with. So, Father, I'm stamping into that role right now to pray over everyone that raised their hand to be included in this prayer for anxiety and panic attacks. And, Lord, we resist those right now in the name of Jesus. Father God, we choose right now to step into your plan knowing that the enemy is there trying to devour everybody. Lord, that we're going to be firm in our faith and knowing that when the right time has come, that you, Jesus, personally, will yourself come and complete this. Father, I pray that you complete this work in them. I pray you confirm inside of them the decisions that they've made. Father, I pray that you strengthen them and that you establish them. Father, I'm praying the words from the Bible. These aren't my words. Lord, I know the words of the Bible have strength, they have power, and they have meaning. Father, I give you all the glory, and we acknowledge you with thanksgiving for what you've done and are doing. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.